Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 81. I'm fascinated by how a cruise ship is built, and with Royal Caribbean's next cruise ship, Anthem of the Sea, set to debut quite soon, there's a lot of excitement surrounding her. This week, I'm joined by one of the designers who worked on many of the venues aboard Anthem of the Seas. We'll discuss how designing a sister ship differs from the first ship in a class, what we can expect to find on Anthem of the Seas, and a whole lot more. I'm also going to open up the inbox this week and answer more of your listener emails. Here we go. Royal Caribbean's cruise ships continue to thrive, change, and improve thanks to the talents and inspiration of so many creative individuals. I want to welcome back to the podcast Tim McGill, a design partner from 5 Plus Design who has been involved in the design for the brand new Anthem of the Seas cruise ship. Welcome back, Tim. Hi. Thanks, Matt. We had you back on episode 59 and talk about the design work that uh, Tim and his team did in, on Quantum of the Seas. And this week, we're talking about 5 Plus Design's work on sister ship Anthem of the Seas. And as our listeners know, Anthem of the Seas is the second Quantum-class cruise ship coming after, of course, Quantum of the Seas. So, Tim, when you're designing for a sister ship, what changes for you in terms of the approach for the design process? Well, usually when we're uh, designing a new series of ships uh, for Royal Caribbean, um, we know that they will be building, you know, more than one, likely uh, several of these ships. So we keep that in mind, uh, you know, as we develop the initial concepts. And um, while there's a lot of uh, great ideas and lots of evolution and many, many, you know, concepts that go into the original ship, we do often have um, ideas that don't make it into the original one that we want to promote for the for the next ship. And uh, I think I think Royal Caribbean's probably got some uh, things up their sleeves that they're saving for Anthem that will be slightly different. Um, they always like to have uh, some surprises in store for the passengers who are wanting to see a slight difference between one ship and another. Absolutely. Uh, your firm, 5 Plus Design, was responsible for several venue designs on Anthem of the Seas, including 270, uh, 270 Cafe, the Library, Royal Esplanade, and Via and Spice venues. And all these venues sound familiar from Quantum of the Seas, except for one, which is the Spice venue. Maybe that's what you were alluding to a little earlier in your answer. What is Spice? Um, the original concept for Spice was a restaurant that was um, really uh, oriented to the the exotic and the savory and the the flavorful and and there we really um, drew inspiration from Southeast Asia and um, a lot of our travels in the Middle East where you know, the cuisine there is, is spicy and sort of uh, memorable by virtue of it. That's, you know, kind of intense flavor. So a lot of the design is inspired by that. There's rich colors. There's a lot of interesting uh, patterning that is in the interior design. So uh, we try to evoke that same sense of exoticism in the, in the interior. Were there any lessons that you took from, you know, your Quantum of the Seas work? that you were able to apply when tackling Anthem of the Seas design? Um, you know, I think the, the ships are very similar. So a lot of uh, what we did in Quantum were repeating in, in, in Anthem. There are very slight variations, little adjustments that probably would be invisible to most uh, of passengers. But, um, you know, I think 
some of the technology, I think, is going to be a little bit more seamless and a little bit more improved. So um, you'll see that. I think the art on Anthem as well is going to be a little bit more um, engaging and, and it'll be different than it is on Quantum. So I, I think you can expect a, a richer experience, particularly from, from the art point of view. Interesting. You know, one of the things I picked up on also, you guys from 5 Plus Design had put out a release about kind of the work that you've done on Anthem. And one of the interesting themes your company incorporated into the design is, and I'm quoting here, a synergy between technology and design. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means? Well, we started the concept for um, both Quantum and Anthem with this notion of uh, transformational space. And what that means is that we're trying to... um, create spaces that may change during the course of a cruise so that there's a lot more um, vitality and there are a lot more dimensions to the activities that you can have on board the cruise. And uh, we use technology um, in a lot of unique ways to make that happen, Uh, particularly in 270. You know, there's a lot of uh, media, uh, the big Vistarama projection system at the... um, aft glass wall of the ship becomes from a during the daytime it's a panoramic view and at night it becomes um, a 3d high-tech high-resolution display so those types of things as well as you know um, hidden lifts and uh, moving robot screens a lot of those layers of technology make the uh, environment much more immersive and much more evocative of of a kind of a show experience, one that's really created to make memories. And I think that uh, by making unique transformations of space, then ultimately you have a much more memorable cruise. You know, you you mentioned 270, and arguably it's one of the most popular spaces on Quantum of the Seas. I really think, you know, when we spoke to you last time, you were describing it because, you know, for for us, we the 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 guests we hadn't been able to see it yet, and having now seen it, it's an it's a very impressive venue. So kudos to you and your team for really hitting a home run with that one. But of all the things, there's robo screens, there's the there's the shows that are there, there's the incredible uh, furniture and everything. I got to say, the thing that stands out in my mind is the swing seat. Can we talk about how, what was the, who came up with this idea? Because I think it's an amazing one. And will there be a swing seat in Anthem of the Seas? Uh, you have to ask Royal Caribbean about that. That actually uh, really came from um, the new build department of Royal Caribbean, one of their great ideas. And, you know, one of the thrilling things about working with Royal Caribbean, it's a, it's a very, um, uh, collegial uh, collaboration when we work with them. So as many ideas uh, that come from the architects and designers also come from within um, the own, their, their own in-house staff, and I have to credit them actually for coming up with a swing seat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, they may have a, a twist on it for, uh, for Anthony Lucy. So uh, you can expect great things from, from that department. Absolutely. I'm really hoping that'll be there. Um, and then you mentioned, of course, you know, you guys are working with Royal Caribbean here. And, you know, Royal Caribbean ships uh, within each class are pretty similar. And you've kind of you talked about that here with Anthem versus Quantum in terms of their look and design. 
I mean, how much leeway do you have in the venue design between ships in the Quantum class from Royal Caribbean? I mean, do they do they give you a hard and fast like rule? Like, I mean, are you boxed in kind of, or is it like up to you to kind of push the boundaries? Usually, they um, are looking for um, a, a flavor of difference, but not a complete difference. In other words, they may be looking for a few aesthetic changes and some surprises. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned, the art is different, and often there'll be, um, you know, a new collaborator who will help us to coordinate the integration of art inside the ship. Um, art plays a very important role in telling the story of the ship, um, and so we can find they, we find that the the art curators really play a great role in in what you see on board. And I think uh, Royal Caribbean, of all the cruise lines out there, they do probably the best um, coordination of art that is both, you know, inspiring and also engaging, you know, where it, it really contributes to the space, but also it makes people sort of look and, and, and you know, it's surprising and fun uh, usually. So it's uh, I, I always think that they, they have a lot uh, to contribute to the from ship to ship. Absolutely. The art on quantum was really, like you said, it, it makes you stop and actually look at it and, and admire it for more than like a second. You know, you have the, of course you have the large, uh, fuchsia bear on the top of the ship, which is hard to <laughs> yeah, miss before you get phenomenal. on. Yeah. Right, uh, the, right. the, and I really love the interactive art, the, the mm-hmm. yellow sports car, the art that's drawing art. I mean, that's, I think these are really interesting things and it's, it's exactly what you're saying here in terms of really the, the ability of Royal Caribbean and, and you guys to kind of, you know, make it, it's not like art in the sense of like paintings and it's like, oh, that's nice. Like, you know, on your way. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of, it's really engaging. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have talked to me about the monkey with the, uh, with the lipstick in the elevator. You know, yes, it's, right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always I really the, interesting to see. The interesting thing too is, you know, you have more time on a cruise ship to really appreciate art in a way that you don't often, you know, in land-based um, you know, resorts or uh, even in a museum. In with within on a cruise ship, you have a chance to actually see it more often. For instance, the arts that the art that's in the stairwell is often themed, and um, you know it often tells a story. And to go from landing to landing and really sort of experience the the, the storyline of the art is really something again that I find adds to the experience of the cruise it's um it just makes it all the richer and more and more we find uh and this is by the way we we find this in our land-based work as well people are looking for enrichment they want a story to tell um you know their friends about what they learned how uh, they've grown uh, what they thought was really fun and a, and a story that they can share and um you know it all comes together with Royal Caribbean, not only the hardware of this ship, the technology and all of the you know, bells and whistles, but also the software in terms of the programming, things like the art, the experiences going you know, to shore. I mean, they really give you a complete and total immersion um, of something special. Absolutely. Well, Tim McGill, thank you so much for t- uh, taking the time to talk with us today about Anthem of the Seas. All right. Well, we're looking forward to seeing it, and I hope to see you on board soon. 
One of the goals since the very beginning of this podcast was to make you feel like you were sitting at a table with me talking about Royal Caribbean cruising with some of your friends. And of course, I've always strived to help plan your next Royal Caribbean cruise. And one of the best ways to do that is by answering your individual questions, comments, and stories. So each week, I open up the inbox and answer the emails you send me at matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And, well, because we're talking about Royal Caribbean cruises, it's always more fun when it's done with friends. This week, I've invited back to the virtual table someone else who knows all about relaxing, exploring, drinking, and salivating, and all things Royal Caribbean. He is the Kowalski to my skipper because we're constantly strategizing to get back on a cruise with military precision. It's, of course, Michael Poole. Welcome back, Michael. Hi, Matt. It's always a pleasure to uh, be back on the podcast, and I hope everyone's staying warm during this winter blast and counting down the days till they get to get back in the Caribbean. Absolutely. I wasn't sure, by the way, I hope you're not insulted I called you Kowalski. I wasn't sure if you're a Kowalski, a Rico, or a private, but I figured <laughs> Kowalski is the best choice, so... Sounds good to me. All right, Michael. We have a ton of emails in the inbox, and let's hop right in. Actually, we're not even going to the inbox first because we're going to go to our our voicemail line. We've got one, uh, a voicemail from Garrison, and uh, we're going to play that right now for you. So here we go. Matt, this is Garrison Cohen from California. Actually, it's not totally true, but I wanted to call and say um, that uh, uh, and uh, I was really bummed this morning because I woke up and I was not able to listen to your podcast, but... uh, I'll have to take solace in knowing that uh, I'm currently standing on the deck of my uh, cabana uh, in Labity. And uh, so I uh, wanted to call and thank you for all the tips and tricks of the last 80 plus giving me because, well, that's why I'm here in the first place, because of you. Thank you much. And uh, yeah, let everyone know about the cabanas over the water. They're fantastic. Anyways, podcast episode 80 when I get back. <laughs> Bye. Wow, Michael, our first email, our first voicemail, rather, I think, from a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. Wow, I was just sitting there dying, listening to the whole time. I was like, I'm so jealous. And (laughs) (laughs) I am really interested on how you booked the cabana, if you stayed in a suite or above. Uh, I'm trying to get one myself on the Oasis, but I'm not booked in a grand suite or above. So kind of curious on how you're able to book one and if you had a great location. So please email back in and give us more details on that cabana. The cabanas are wonderful, especially Labadee, and they have my Coco K as well. And the really cool thing, Michael, we did one one time. We were not staying in a suite. We literally walked up to the beach. That, you know, there's the tendons that are right there in the front to obviously make sure you're a, you're a cabana guest. And we said, are there any cabanas available? And he said, yeah, man, absolutely. Probably didn't say, yeah, man. We're not, we were in Jamaica, but you know what I mean? He says, yeah, we got one. And, and we were able to buy one right there on the spot. But I've heard also people are able to, just on the ship, talk to, I think it's the excursions desk. Uh, you can actually go about it and you know kind of put your name on a waiting list because there's I don't think they usually fill up it depends on the cruise ship obviously but uh, generally it's not a bad option I mean it's good for for a lot of people it's a great value I think you know if you can get four or five six people in there it's pretty neat and I and I agree with uh, the voicemail right there dude it's it is the way to enjoy Labadee it's just amazing it's amazing view your own private beach oh so wonderful I really love it over there. Well, I'm excited. I'm actually going to Labadee next month, and I haven't been there in probably around three years. So I'm excited to kind of test the waters there again because you know I'm a very loyal to Coco K fan. So I'm excited to open my eyes to, to Labadee again. <laughs> Prepare to see the other side, my friend. <laughs> Welcome to the dark we'll side. We have we have cookies. Come on by. <laughs> we'll see about all that. All right, let's hop into the email inbox, and our first email this week comes from Paul Westbrook, 
And uh, Paul's from uh, East Brunswick, New Jersey. And Paul writes, I love the show. Thanks for all the passion you put into it. I always try to use the Royal Caribbean site to search for cruises, ones on short notice, good deals, etc. But there must be a more efficient search tool. Do you know of one? I've tried CheapCaribbean.com, and under the cruise section, it's pretty efficient. Maybe you know something better? Thanks. Wishing you health, happiness, a Caribbean tea in your hand, and a Michael Pool's worth of future cruises to look forward to. <laughs> oh, I love it, Paul. Thanks for the shout out. Um, <laughs> so, Michael, you must know about this because obviously you're all about Mr. Last. Well, you go for last minute, but you also go for the cheap deal, obviously, because you're close to the port and you can hop on one. Right. So, you know, I'm all about last minute deals. I've booked, you know, as late as two days prior. Um, you could be kind of crazy like me and search prices four, five, six times a day. Um, you can also set up alerts through certain cruise websites. I personally don't do that um, because I enjoy searching. It's kind of the fun. I enjoy doing it. Um, there's also, I know a website, Vacations to Go, has a 90 day tracker. So you can check there. So there's some options out there. Um, you just got to keep looking for them and, and know prices drop typically in the fall and spring and winter months. You're not going to find a great, great deal in the summertime. Yeah. One of the things I always do is I just, Royal Caribbean puts out usually every Monday, they put out the going, going, gone. They call it a bunch of different things over the years, but essentially they're, they're deals of the week and they usually are posted on Mondays. And I believe that goes Mondays are for people in Crown and Anchor Society and then Tuesday and Wednesday it's open to the general public. That may or may not have changed, but that's how it used to be. And they'll usually post them. Uh, actually, if you just search for, there's a page. It's a really random URL. But if you search for, you know, Royal Caribbean going, going, gone, I'll put a list in the show notes. Actually, on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, make it easy for all of you to check that out, and you'll find some of those last minute deals there. But I just use Royal Caribbean site. I find it, you know, pretty pretty easy to figure out, especially the going, going, gone thing. It's usually a good indicator. The only problem with that is it's not going to alert you necessarily of a good deal that may be like 6, 12 months out there. You know, like some sailing that... The, the going, going, gone's are really more for like within the next, let's say, 90 days at, at most. Usually it's closer to like 30 to 60. Um, but it's not a bad option to start with. Uh, but beyond that, obviously, you know, there's lots of different websites out there that offer, you know, these kind of deals. And the, the only good thing, I guess, Michael, about maybe using one of those other kind of websites is that you're able to sort a little bit better. Royal Caribbean's uh, search function is a little, leaves a little to be desired. Right. Yeah, that's the, the big advantage is seeing it as a list versus searching. Um, but as you mentioned, that going, going, gone flyer, it's a great tool. It's actually updated every Thursday afternoon, and I, I do check that every Thursday. So there's good deals on there. And if you are cruising solo, which I often do, it actually has a breakdown of the solo supplement. So that's a great tool to use if you're trying to find a reduced solo fare. Very good stuff. Oh, speaking of solo affairs, Michael, we should probably mention that uh, earlier this week we actually posted a great article on Royal Caribbean Blog. I'll put a link in our show notes, of course, to a post that you wrote about uh, cruising solo, what you need to know about cruising solo. So I think it's really important that we mention that because, A, you wrote it, and B, it's, <laughs> it's actually really helpful information, I think, for anyone who's considering going uh, solo on a Royal Caribbean cruise. Yeah, a lot of people have questions their very first time going on a solo cruise. I know I did myself. So it kind of gives some very uh, detail of what you can expect your very first time going on a solo cruise with World Caribbean. Cool. Uh, let's go to our next email. It's from Chris from Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Just finished listening to episode 78. Great review by Dr. Chris. He shared some great detail and info across the bird. Please, uh, please to hear his feedback. I hope you can score another review from him on his next cruise. His cruise itinerary is one that I've had my eye on for quite a while. I've been trying to convince the wife for a few years now. She just doesn't want to spend the extra cash on passports for the kid. 
If you have any insight on how I can convince her, please pass it on. Again, hope you're feeling better, and thank you for the awesome sauce podcast and blog. Thank you for the comments, and I am feeling much better now. Thank you very much. Um, you know, I always say, look, I, and I think I've said this on the podcast. I definitely wrote about this on the blog. I always, whenever I go off the ship, I bring my passport for me and my family with me. And the reason is, and I've never had to use it, thankfully, but I will say the reason why I bring it and the reason why I'm so passionate about why you should bring your passport with you off the ship is because if something were to happen to you or a family member, it doesn't, whether you get hurt or you just get stuck somewhere, something that causes you to miss the ship. If you are stuck on an island with a passport, it's very easy to get back home or go to another port. You simply take, go to the airport, you know, you, you book something, you figure something out, but you got your passport, you're, you're able to leave that day if, you know, all else allows. If you don't have your passport, you're in a heap of trouble and you got to go to the consulate, the United States consulate or whatever consulate you happen to be from, you know, whatever country, and you've got to negotiate a visa out of there. And this can take days to figure out. And of course, as you know, government being government, they're not actually open all the time. And odds are you'll probably be there during a time they're not open. It just creates a major problem. And, you know, you're already bringing probably your wallet and your cell phone anyway and a couple other things. I mean, it, it's not a big deal. To, I know there's a little bit of a risk bringing your passport because if you lose it, but I mean, there's risk in everything. And I just think it's you're better off bringing it than not bringing it. Michael, when you go off ship, do you bring your passport with you? Absolutely, every time. And some people don't like to bring their passport. They're worried they're going to lose it. My, I guess my advice to you is if you're really concerned of losing it, then you know you can always travel with a copy of your passport. It doesn't actually you know hold the same value as your passport, but it's a good backup plan if you lose it. Yep. And some advice to your wife that's you know concerned of spending the expense is I would tell her is. The passports are valid for 10 years. So if you divide that cost over 10 years, I mean, it's it's a very nominal fee, if you ask me. I think, I don't know, I'm Googling it as we speak right now. I think the passport, you're right about adults. I think for kids, it might be actually younger because I know my daughter's is coming up soon. Uh, for, for I think it's five years for kids. But it's not it's not the cost. Honestly, just talk about the safety. I mean, would you want to risk it? Because I know my wife wouldn't want to risk it. I wouldn't want to risk it. Um, and that's really the big thing. That's also why, uh, along those lines, people you know say, "Oh, can we just bring a uh, birth certificate with us on you know?" And you can do that from certain U.S. ports. And yes, you can. But again, if you get stuck in a port somewhere, the pat the birth certificate ain't going to help you. You're still going to have to go to the consulate. You're still going to have to negotiate all these things. So it's just it's just I think it's a necessary evil in terms of cost. But it makes your life just it's just going to make your life a whole lot easier. And if you have to use it for that kind of a reason. Boy, you'll, you'll be thankful that you had it. So just uh, some food for thought there. Uh, let's go to our next email. It's from Michelle Cosby. Matt, I have my first solo cruise coming up this March on Explore the Seas. It'll be a five-night Western Caribbean stopping at Cozumel and Nassau. That's interesting. Cozumel and Nassau. Okay. I haven't sailed on a small ship, quote-unquote, or a short itinerary since 2007, and I'm afraid I'll be bored. Any tips for staying busy or tips for... For solo cruisers. Oh, Michael. I, I swear I did not plan. This is just the next email in the queue. But this is, like, perfect for you. So here you go. Take it away, Michael. I'm going to go I'm gonna go get a drink. Let me know when you're done. Okay. Well, first, I just have to laugh when you say small cruise. I, uh, <laughs> I almost feel like, like you'd be best friends with my brother, Jason, who thinks everything's a small cruise other than the Oasis. Um, the Explorer of the Seas is a huge ship, and there's going to be so much to do. Uh, you have the promenade, you know, the flow rider, production shows so back to the solo advice um 
you know, when you get on, if it's your, you know, your first solo cruise, you don't know what to expect is just be open minded. Um, I think my very first solo cruise, I was kind of more, you know, insecure about the whole experience um, and I didn't open up. So just open up, you know, be willing to talk to other people when you're sitting maybe at the bar. Make sure you request a larger table for dinner so you're not sitting alone. Um and, and just have fun with it. You know, it's five days. It is a shorter cruise, but make the most of it with the people that are around you and enjoy it. And I would refer you back to the blog post that he just mentioned that we posted earlier this week. Absolutely. Good tips. Thank you, Michael. Uh, let's go to our next email. Of course, Michael, if this were a, it's not a podcast episode. It's not a listener uh, email part of this episode without an email from our good friend Christopher Percy, who uh, writes to us in regards to episode 78, Jewel of the Seas Listener Cruise Review. I have mentioned in the past that Jewel is one of our favorite ships, and we love all the Radiant ships, especially the Brilliance. We'll be on the Brilliance of the Seas on May 30th, 2015 for a 12-day Baltic cruise, and are really looking forward to it. Chris gave me a very comprehensive review, and this will be very helpful to any listeners that have not sailed on the Jewel of the Seas yet. Sorry to hear under the weather. Get well soon. Very good. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, next, we have an email from Susan, who writes, Matt. Just discovered your podcast. I've listened to several of them already and have sent an email to my group going on Independence of the Seas in September. My husband and I are loyal to Royal Caribbean with seven cruises down and a back-to-back booked for September, which will put us at the diamond level in Crown and Anchor Society. We love to take back-to-back cruises, have done one on Liberty and one on the Oasis, so I was interested in listening to your podcast on back-to-back cruises. One of the best things about a back-to-back is exploring the ship on turnaround day. When we get back on the ship, we roam around the corridors looking into the various cabins. We've gotten to walk through the presidential suite on Liberty of the Seas and the loft suites on Oasis of the Seas. It's also a great time to take pictures of the ship without a lot of people around. We find it interesting to go on our balcony and watch the ship being restocked and luggage being loaded. Look forward to listening to more podcasts. Good stuff. Thank you, Susan. I know, Michael, you've done back-to-backs, haven't you? I have. Um, and that's actually a great tip that you mentioned is going to explore the other type of cabins. I was so into having the pool deck to myself. I felt like I rented the whole thing out that I didn't really explore any of the areas other than just lounge on the pool deck by myself. And I had a blast doing that. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> my, it's my wife's dream to do a back-to-back cruise. We haven't done one yet. What we'd like to do is some sort of a cruise where... You know, in the Caribbean example, it'd be like we do a Western Caribbean and then an Eastern Caribbean. So the itinerary changes, but yet it's the same ship and that, and that kind of experience. So it's kind of like two cruises, but it's still just one cruise and you get the best of both worlds. So it hasn't worked out mostly because of vacation, not because we can't afford it or anything like that. Just, uh, you know, the, the day job, it keeps rearing its ugly head all the time, doesn't it, Michael? Always gets in the way. I can't yeah. stand it. Darn <laughs> you, obligations. <laughs> the real life. <laughs> exactly. Let's go to our next email. It's from Tracy Smith. Hello, Matt. I'm listening to episode 77 regarding Enchantment of the Seas. Ooh, Michael, an episode right oh. there for you. And, and you're talking about a window on the floor that appears you are standing over the ocean. Where can I find this? I've listened to the podcast 15 times. That's how everyone should listen to every episode, by the way. 15 times. And I can't play. I'm just joking. And I can't place where this would be located. Please help. I'm set to set sail on April 13th. and would love to see this window on the floor over the ocean. Thank you. All right, Michael, where is it? 
Wow, I applaud you for listening that many times. I thought I was crazy for listening three times. Uh, well, <laughs> so it's on the pool deck. Um, it's dead center. If you are at the Oasis Bar, it's on the complete opposite side. So there's you know, two of the arches that we talked about. One side of the arch has the big, long Oasis Bar that I love. The other side is completely open where they have like barbecues and you know lunches. And that's where you'll find the open uh, glass looking down the seat floor. Very good stuff. All right. Uh, let's go to our next email. And uh, it's from Christy Pettick. And she writes, Christy writes, we are considering doing some evening dinners in the Windjamere on an upcoming cruise. We have a toddler who is not into the sitting still for dinner stage. And I thought this might be good for everyone involved. Would you please give me the details on eating dinner in the Windjamere? Is there a carving station? Are there appetizer-like dishes? Thanks. Thanks for the podcast. Really enjoy listening each week. Absolutely. the wind. Actually, for dinner, the Windjamer has the greatest selection of food, the greatest options, and the greatest array of food, in fact. There's usually a carving station. It can depend on the ship, obviously. When we were just on Quantum of the Seas, I remember there was a carving station for some sort of a meat right in the middle of of the whole Windjammer. Um, but most ships, I think they have various... So they'll have various stations. You'll have... There's like the International Food Station. That's where I get my beloved uh, Indian curry that I can't get enough of. But you also find like pastas there. You'll find, you know, maybe some Asian food there. And then there's other stations. They'll have like the... It's like the hot dog station. You'll have hot dogs, burgers, that kind of stuff. You're, there's a lot of different areas and you'll kind of notice a difference. Although for dinner, the what is actually on the menu will change from night to night. There may be some some holdovers, but generally for dinner, you're going to see the greatest variety. And a lot of the food, actually, that you see in the Windjammer is going to be some of the same food you're going to see down in the main dining room. Like, the soups are almost always the same, uh, one and the same. So that's pretty much uh, my experience. I mean, Michael, do you have anything to add there in terms of what the Windjammer dinner is like? No, you pretty much summed it up, but I will say the best part about having dinner in the Windjammer is you get to sample every single dessert. So that's always my favorite <laughs> little treat, going to the Windjammer. You don't have to worry about, ooh, which one should I order? I just get them all. You see, you might say about yourself, Matt, why do we have Michael on the podcast? What does he bring to the table? That is what he brings to the table, my friends. He goes, forget the food. It's about sampling the desserts. <laughs> that's the best of the best. I love it. <laughs> Awesome, very good. Stuff. And by the way, I do agree with. The, I love the idea of bringing the toddler there. We do this with my daughter. We would so we like enjoying you know a sit down dinner in in the main dining room. But my daughter doesn't. She's she's cool with like twenty minutes in and out. And now that she's old enough for Adventure Ocean, what we do is we go to and even before we do the same thing with the nursery. But we'll go to the Windjammer, get her something to eat. You know, let her sit. We'll sit there, you know, dressed up and you know her munching on whatever. And then when she's done, so we'll do this. You know. This usually works out, I would say, somewhere in the ballpark of uh, 30 to 60 minutes before, you know, your dinner time. You get the food, kids set, drop the kid off in Adventure Ocean or the nursery, whatever the case may be. And then we go over to the main dining room, and it's just me and my wife, and we can actually enjoy dinner without someone complaining that they're bored or they're finished with their food or getting antsy. So this has proven to be a really uh, good strategy. And if you're considering something like that, it's one of the best ways you can enjoy dinner and your kids can have a good time too. I mean, unless your kids are great at dinner and then more power to you, you know, it's, it's not a bad idea. All right. I think we got time for one more email and I think we're going to go with an email here from Ewan Maine who writes, as everyone always says, thanks for all the great work on the podcast. It's my little weekly audio holiday. Just a little note about your discussion last week about turning your smartphone on airplane mode while on board. A good idea, definitely, but it has the drawback that you can't 
than text. My wife and I have found it invaluable to turn data roaming off but keep cellular on so that you can use the shipboard mobile network for the occasional have you finished getting ready yet text. I've got the cocktails and I'm waiting outside on the cafe promenade. <laughs> I love those messages. Uh, they cost, of course, they, they do cost you, of course, but you can send a few a day without adding much to your bill. We'll be spending 10 sea days on board Allure in a couple months. This time, with so many places to hang around, we're bound to get some use out of this. Thanks and uh, best wishes. That's a very good. Uh, that's a very good point, actually, about the texting ability. Now, you have to keep in mind one particular thing with the iPhone. If you and I think Michael, you know this. Um, if you both have iPhones, it usually goes to iMessage, and iMessage is not a MMS message. It's not a text message in the in the um, academic sense. It's actually a data thing. It's it's like using like uh, WhatsApp or uh, Snapchat. Any of this kind. Of, it's basically the same thing. It's just text based, obviously. But my point is, is that you got to make sure you're actually sending a text message, an MMS, and not a iMessage, because that will use the data network, and that will have a different kind of charge on it. But that is a good point. If you want to be able to use your text messaging and and be safe, again, you can turn off the data roaming, and that will be a good little way to, to to avoid those really crazy charges. But the reason why I always just recommend the 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 uh, what's it called? Uh, airplane mode is because it's simple and it's one of the easiest ways to make sure you're not going to incur any additional charges. I mean, Michael, you, you're Mr. Cell phone here as well. I mean, uh, am I, am I off or, or is there, is that a good option? No, you're exactly right. And I have read recent reports that the Oasis is testing some reduced pricing on the Wi-Fi. So you should see something similar to that on the Allure by the time you go. Um, so it's a very nominal fee. Hopefully they roll it out. And that way you both can have Wi-Fi in text the whole time and not incur any data extra charges. Absolutely. And Ewan is right. Text messages are not nearly as expensive as trying to make a phone call or using data. It will still cost you a little bit, but like, you know, you'll probably come back to like, you know, if you, you, know, you send like two messages a day, you'll probably come back to like a 20 buck charge. Okay. No big deal, right? No one's going to, no one's going to freak out about that. But, you know, it's, it, if you're interested in that kind of an ability, just make sure you set yourself up right. And obviously, if you're using a, an Android phone or some non Apple phone, that makes it even easier because then you're not using iMessage and all this is kind of moot. But make sure you, you're very certain what you're doing because you don't want to come back to that. You know, cre- you, you'll read stories about this like every like, what do you say, Michael? Like, every six months you see like a message on like Cruise Critic or something like, I came back and I had like a $5,000 bill on my phone. Yes. I know friends that come back eight eight $900 phone bill and they're still paying it off. I'm just like, why? What did yeah. you do? <laughs> very good. Well, uh, I think we're going to wrap things up here. But, of course, if you want to email us your questions, and maybe you'll get a chance to get it answered by one Michael Poole. Uh, no, no promises, but, you know, the man's a busy man. But if you want to get your email in here and we'll get it, we'll read it on the air, we'd love to have you do that. You can email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com blog.com and you heard earlier we had a voicemail say how do i get my voicemail on there i would love to do that i would love to make you guys jealous on my next cruise well sir you're very mean but i appreciate the notion and i welcome it nonetheless uh you can actually call 408-6-ROYAL-6 408-6-ROYAL-6 leave a voicemail and we'd love to play those we haven't had those in a while so i'm I'm glad we're getting one then hopefully we'll get some more in the future michael always a pleasure to have you on the air with me and uh share in the world caribbean sweetness Thanks, Matt. It's always a pleasure, and I look forward to the next time.